Welcome to the Ramayan Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring an episodic reading in English of St. Tulsidas's version of the epic Ramayan. At the end of last week's podcast, episode 2, we learned of the origin of Ravan, the ten-headed demon king. Before we begin this week, it's important to point out that although Tulsidas wrote these verses, the story is being narrated by Lord Shiva to his wife Parvati, who is also known as Uma, Bhavani, and several other names. Throughout the course of the narrative, we hear Shiva addressing his wife directly, as he does in the first verse of this week's episode, verse 185 of the Balkhand. The number of villains, thieves, and gamblers, and of those who coveted others' wealth and wives, swelled to a great extent. People honored not their parents and gods, and exacted service from pious souls. Those who act in this way, Bhavani, know all such creatures as demons. Perceiving the supreme disrespect for religion, earth was extremely alarmed and perturbed. The weight of mountains, rivers, and oceans, she said to herself, is not so oppressive to me as of him who is malevolent to others. She saw all goodness perverted, yet for fear of Rabban she could not utter a word. After great deliberation, she took the form of a cow and went to the spot where all gods and sages were in hiding. With tears in her eyes, the earth told them her sufferings, but none of them could be of any help to her. The gods, sages, and Gandharvas all repaired to Brahma's abode. With them was poor earth in the form of a cow, grievously stricken with fear and grief. Brahma came to know everything, and realizing in his heart of hearts his inability to help her, he said, The immortal Lord, whose servant you are, will be my help as well as yours. Someone suggested that they should go to Vaikunth. Another said, The Lord has his abode in the ocean of milk. The Lord always manifests himself in response to the devotion and love one cherishes in one's heart, Girja. I too happened to be in that assembly, and took occasion to put in a word. For aught I know, Sri Hari is present everywhere alike, and is revealed only by love. Tell me any place, time, or quarter of heaven where the Lord is not. Having taken the form of all creation, both animate and inanimate, he is yet destitute of everything and passionless. He is revealed by love, even as fire is manifested by friction. My words found favor with all, and Brahma applauded me, saying, Well said. Brahma was glad at heart to hear my words. The hair on his body bristled, and tears flowed from his eyes. Recovering himself, the stable-minded Brahma joined his palms and prayed. Glory, all glory, to you, O Lord of immortals, O delight of the devotees, O protector of the suppliant, O benefactor of cows and the Brahmins, O slayer of demons, O beloved consort of Lakshmi, glory to you, O guardian of the gods and the earth. Mysterious are thy ways, their secret is known to none. Let him who is benevolent by nature and compassionate to the humble show his grace. Glory, all glory, to the immortal Lord Mukunda, the bestower of salvation and love, who resides in all hearts, is supreme bliss personified, who is omnipresent, unknowable, and supersensuous, whose acts are holy, and who is beyond the veil of Maya. Glory to him who is truth, consciousness, and bliss combined, who is most lovingly meditated upon day and night, and whose praises are sung by multitudes of sages, who are full of dispassion and entirely free from infatuation. Let the slayer of the sinful Aga bestow his care upon us, he who brought forth the threefold creations. 
that which is dominated by sattva, rajas, and tamas, gods, men, and demons, without anyone else to assist him. We know neither devotion nor worship. He who disperses the fear of transmigration delights the mind of sages and puts an end to hosts of calamities. We gods betake ourselves to him in thought, word, and deed, giving up our wanted cleverness. The Lord, who is known neither to Sharada, the goddess of learning, nor to the Vedas, nor again to Shesh, the serpent god, nor to any of the sages, who, as the Vedas proclaim, loves the lowly, let him be moved to pity. The sages, Siddhas, and all gods, grievously stricken with fear, bow at the lotus feet of the Lord, who serves as Mount Mandara for churning the ocean of worldly existence, who is charming in every way, who is an abode of virtues and an embodiment of bliss. Knowing that the gods and earth were terror-stricken, and hearing their loving entreaties, a deep voice came from heaven which removed all their doubts and anxieties. Fear not, O sages, Siddhas, and Indra, chief of gods, for your sake I will assume the form of a human being. In the glorious solar race I shall be born as a human being, along with my part manifestations. The sage Kashyapa and his wife Aditi did severe penance, and to them I have already vouchsafed a boon. They have appeared in the city of Ayodhya as rulers of men in the form of Dasharatha and Kausalya. In their house I shall take birth in the form of four brothers, the ornament of Raghu's line. I shall justify all that was uttered by Narada and shall descend with my supreme energy. In this way I shall relieve the earth of all its burden. Be fearless, O gods. As the divine voice from heaven reached the gods' ears, they returned forthwith with their hearts soothed. Then Brahma admonished earth, who was rid of all fear and felt reassured in her heart. Then Brahma proceeded to his realm after thus instructing the gods, Assuming the form of monkeys, you go to the earth and adore the feet of Sri Hari. All of the gods went to their several abodes along with earth. They all felt relieved in their hearts, and the gods were delighted to receive the orders that Brahma gave and lost no time in carrying them out. They took the form of monkeys on earth. Their might and glory were incomparable. They were all brave and had mountains, trees, and nails for their weapons. Resolute of mind, they awaited the advent of Sri Hari swarming on the mountains and in woods wherever they liked, and dividing themselves into gallant troops of their own. I have related to you all of this interesting account. Now hear that which was interrupted before. In the city of Ayodhya there ruled a king who was a jewel of Raghu's race. He was called Dasharat, a name which is familiar in the Vedas. He was a champion of virtue, a repository of good qualities, and a man of wisdom. He was a sincere devotee of God Vishnu, and his mind was also set on him. Kosalya and his other beloved consorts were all of holy life, humble and devoted to their Lord. They had a strong attachment to the lotus feet of Sri Hari. One day the king was sad at heart that he had no son. He hastened to his guru's residence and, falling at his feet, made many entreaties. He told the guru all his joys and sorrows. The sage Vashishta comforted him in many ways and said, Take heart and wait. You will have four sons who will be known throughout the three worlds and will rid the devotees of their fears. Then Vashishta summoned the sage Sringi and had a noble sacrifice performed by him for the birth of a son to the king. When the sage devoutly offered oblations into the sacred fire, the fire god appeared with an offering of rice boiled with milk in his hand. Said the fire god, 
Whatever Vashishta has contemplated, for you that object is fully accomplished. Take this oblation, O king, and divide it in such proportions as you think fit. The fire god then disappeared after telling the whole assembly of what was to be done. The king was transported with ecstasy and could not contain himself for joy. The king at once sent for his beloved consorts. When Koshalya and the other queens arrived there, he gave one half of the offering to Koshalya and divided the other into two halves, one of which he gave to Kaikei. The remnant was again divided into two parts, which he placed in the hands of Kosalya and Kaikei, and after thus obtaining their approval, handed both those shares to Sumitra. In this way all the queens became pregnant. They were all glad of heart and felt very happy. From the time Sri Hari found his way into the womb, joy and prosperity reigned in all the worlds. In the palace shone the queens, who were all minds of beauty, virtue, and glory. Some time was thus happily spent until the time arrived for the Lord to be revealed. The position of the sun and the moon, the zodiacal sign into which the sun had entered, the position of the seven other planets, the day of the week as well as the day of the lunar month, all these turned out to be propitious, and full of delight was all creation, animate and inanimate, for the birth of Sri Ram is the source of joy. It was the ninth day of the bright half of the sacred month of Chaitra. The moon had entered the asterism named Abhijit, which is so dear to Sri Hari. The sun was at its meridian. The day was neither cold nor hot. It was a holy time which gave rest to the whole world. A cool, soft, and fragrant breeze was blowing. The gods were feeling exhilarated, and the saints were bubbling with enthusiasm. The woods were full of blossoms. The mountains were resplendent with gems, and every river flowed a stream of nectar. When Brahma perceived that the time of Sri Hari's birth had approached, all the gods came out with their aerial cars duly equipped. The bright heaven was crowded with their hosts, and troops of Gandharvas chanted praises and rained down flowers, placing them in their beautiful palms. The sky resounded with the beat of kettledrums, Nagas, sages, and gods offered praises and tendered their services in manifold ways. Having offered their praises, the gods returned to their several abodes when the Lord, and abode of the universe, and the solace of all creation, manifested himself. The gracious Lord, who is compassionate to the lowly and the benefactor of Kosalya, appeared. The thought of his marvelous form, which stole the heart of sages, filled the mother with joy. His body was dark as a cloud, the delight of all eyes. In his four arms he bore his characteristic emblems, a conch shell, a discus, a club, and a lotus. Adorned with jewels and a garland of sylvan flowers, and endowed with large eyes, the slayer of the demon Kara was an ocean of beauty. Joining both her palms, the mother said, O infinite Lord, how can I praise you? The Vedas as well as the Puranas declare you as transcending Maya, beyond attributes, above knowledge and beyond all measure. He who is sung by the Vedas and holy men as an ocean of mercy and bliss and the repository of all virtues, the same Lord of Lakshmi, the lover of his devotees, has revealed himself to my good. The Vedas proclaim that every pore of your body contains multitudes of universes brought forth by Maya, that such a Lord stayed in my womb. This amusing story staggers the mind of even men of wisdom. When the revelation came upon the mother, the Lord smiled. He would perform many a sportive act. Therefore he exhorted her by telling her the charming account of her previous birth, 
so that she might love him as her own child. The mother's mind was changed. She spoke again. Give up this superhuman form and indulge in childish sports which are so dear to a mother's heart. The joy that comes from such sports is unequaled in every way. Hearing these words, the all-wise Lord of Immortals became an infant and began to cry. Those who sing this portion, says Tulsidas, attain to the abode of Sri Hari and never fall into the well of mundane existence. For the sake of Brahmins, cows, gods, and saints, the Lord who transcends Maya and is beyond the three modes of Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, as well as beyond the reach of the senses, took birth as a man, assuming a form which is a product of his own will. On hearing the most pleasing sound of the baby's cries, all the queens came in a flurry. Maidservants ran helter-skelter in great delight. All the people of the city were transported with joy. When the tidings of the birth of a son reached Dasharatha's ears, he was drowned, as it were, in the ecstasy of absorption into Brahma. With a mind saturated with the highest love, and with a body thrilling all over with joy, he sought to rise while attempting to recover his senses. The same Lord, whose very name brings blessings with it, even when it reaches one's ears, has arrived at my house, he said to himself, and the thought filled his mind with supreme joy. Sending for musicians, he said, Play on your instruments. The preceptor Vashishta was also summoned, and he called at the palace door with a train of Brahmins. They all went and gazed upon the peerless babe, who was an embodiment of beauty and possessed excellences more than one could tell. After performing the Nandimukha Shraddha, the king completed all the rites connected with the birth of a child and made gifts of gold, cows, raiment, and jewels to the Brahmins. The city was full of flags and banners and festal arches. It was decorated in a way which defies description. Showers of flowers dropped from heaven. Everybody was wrapped in the joy of absorption into Brahma. Women streamed forth in troops. They came running. Carrying jars of gold and salvers full of auspicious articles, they entered the portals of the royal palace, singing as they went along, waving lights and passing offerings round and round over the child's head as an act of exorcism. They threw themselves at the babe's feet again and again. Bards, minstrels, panegyrists, and songsters chanted solemn praises of the Lord of Raghus. Everyone gave whatever one possessed. Even he who received did not retain it. All the lanes of the city were muddy with pastes of musk, sandal, and saffron. There was happy music of festivity in every house, for the very fountain of beauty had manifested himself. All of the men and women of the city were full of joy everywhere. Kaikei and Sumitra each gave birth to a lovely boy. The joy, grandeur, solemnity of the occasion, and the concourse of men were more than what Sharada and the Serpent King could describe. The city of Ayodhya wore a gala appearance. It looked as if night had come to see the Lord, and feeling abashed as it were at the sight of the sun, had deliberately stayed over in the form of twilight. Clouds of incense represented the dusk, and handfuls of red powder tossed up and wafted in the air represented the reddish light of sunset. The hosts of jewels that gleamed on housetops looked like so many stars, while the round pinnacle on the top of the royal palace corresponded to the beautiful moon. The murmuring sound of the chanting of Vedas in the palace resembled the chirping of birds appropriate to the occasion. Gazing upon this spectacle, the sun forgot himself. A whole month passed without his knowing it.
The day assumed the length of a month, but no one could understand the mystery. The sun stood motionless with his chariot. How could there be any night? Nobody noticed the strange phenomenon. The sun at last moved ahead, singing the praises of Sri Ram as he went. Witnessing the great festival, the gods, sages, and nagas proceeded to their several abodes, congratulating themselves on their good luck. I tell you one more covert act of mine. Listen to it, O Girja, for I know your steadfast faith. The sage Kakabushundi and myself both were there together in human form without anyone knowing it. Elated with supreme joy and the delight of love, we roamed about the streets in ecstasy, forgetting ourselves. He alone who enjoyed Sri Ram's grace could be apprised of this blessed adventure of ours. On that occasion, the king granted the desire of everyone's heart. In whatever manner one came, he bestowed elephants, chariots, horses, gold, cows, diamonds, costumes of various kinds, and all were satisfied in their heart, and invoked blessings here and there, saying, May all the sons of Dasharat live long. A few days rolled on in this way. Days and nights passed unnoticed. Knowing that the time had come for naming the children, the king sent for the enlightened sage Vashishta. After paying him homage, the king spoke to him thus, Holy sir, kindly assign them names that you have fixed your mind upon. Their names are many and unique, yet, O king, I will declare them according to my own lights. This eldest boy of yours, who is an ocean of felicity, an embodiment of joy, a particle of which fills the three worlds with delight, has for his name Ram, the very home of bliss and the comforter of all the worlds. Your second son, who sustains and supports the universe, will be called Bharata, while he, whose very thought destroys one's enemies, is celebrated in the Vedas by the name of Shatrugna. He who is the abode of noble characteristics, the beloved of Sri Ram, and the mainstay of the whole universe, he was given by Guru Vashishta the splendid name of Lakshman. The Guru assigned these names after careful thought, and then said, Your four sons, O king, are the essence of the Veda itself. Of them, Sri Ram is the sage's treasure, the devotee's all in all, and Shiva's very life. He takes delight at present in the rapture of childish sports. From his earliest days, Lakshman came to look upon Sri Ram as his benefactor and master, and conceived devotion to his feet. The love that existed between the two half-brothers, Bharat and Shatrugan, was as glorious as that which obtains between a master and servant. As the mothers gazed upon the beauty of the two lovely pairs, one of whom was dark, the other fair, they would break a blade of grass in order to avert the evil eye. Although all the four brothers were embodiments of amiability, beauty, and goodness, yet Sri Ram was an ocean of bliss par excellence. In his heart shone the moon of grace, and his captivating smile represented its rays. Now on her lap, and now in the beautiful cradle, the mother fondled him, calling him her own little darling. The unborn and all-pervading God, who is untainted by Maya, without attributes and devoid of play, has sought shelter in the arms of Kosalya, conquered by her love and devotion. His dark form, which resembles a blue lotus and a heavy rain cloud, possessed the beauty of millions of cupids. The nails glistened on his red lotus-like feet, as if pearls had been set on the petals of a rosy lotus. Marks of a thunderbolt, a flag, and a goad shone on his soles, and the tinkling of his anklets enraptured the hearts of sages. 
A string of tiny bells girdled his waist, and there were three folds in his little belly. The depths of his navel is known to him alone who has perceived it. His long arms were adorned with a number of ornaments, and the tiger's claw hanging on his breast possessed an exquisite beauty. The elegance of the necklace of gems with a diamond at the lowest end and the print of the Brahmin's foot fascinated one's mind. His neck resembled a conch shell in its spiral shape, and the chin looked most beautiful, while his face flushed with the beauty of countless cupids. Pairs of small teeth were veiled by rosy lips, and his beautiful nose and the sectarian mark on his brow defied description. With charming ears and most lovely cheeks, his sweet lisping prattle was most delightful to hear. The smooth and curly hair that had never been trimmed since his birth had been beautifully dressed in manifold ways by his mother. A yellow frock covered his body, and his crawling on knees and hands was most pleasing to me. The elegance of his form was something which even the Vedas and Shesh the serpent god could not describe. It is known to him alone who has beheld it, even in a dream. The all-blissful Lord who is above delusion and transcends knowledge, speech, and sensuous perception sported like an innocent child, yielding to the supreme love of the royal couple Dasharat and Kosalya. In this way, Sri Ram, the father and mother of the universe, delighted the people of Ayodhya. Bhavani, this demonstrates how those who have conceived devotion to the feet of the Lord of Raghus are repaid by him. On the other hand, no one can liberate from the bondage of worldly existence him who is averse to the Lord of Raghus, however much he may struggle. Even that Maya which has held under her sway all living beings, both animate and inanimate, trembles before the Lord who makes her dance to the play of his eyebrows. Leaving such a lord, tell me, whom should we adore? The lord of Raghus will be compassionate to those who betake themselves to him in thought, word, and deed, giving up all cleverness. In this way the lord sported as a child, to the delight of all the people of the city. The mother would dangle him in her arms, and then put him down, and then rock him in the cradle. Kosalya remained so wrapped in love that days and nights passed unnoticed. Out of affection for her boy, she would sing lays of his childhood. One day, Mother Kosalya washed and adorned her boy and put him to sleep in the cradle. Thereafter, she bathed herself in order to worship the patron deity of her family. Having worshipped the deity, she offered him food and then returned to the kitchen. When she came back to the place of worship, she beheld her boy eating the food that had been offered to the Lord. Frightened at this, the mother went to her boy and found him asleep in the nursery. Coming back once more to the temple, she still saw the boy there. She now trembled with fear, and her mind found no rest. She saw two boys, one in the temple and the other in the nursery. She said to herself, Is it my mental illusion or some other unusual phenomenon? When Sri Ram saw his mother perplexed, the Lord gently smiled. The Lord then revealed to his mother his marvelous infinite form, every pore of whose skin contained millions of universes. She saw therein countless suns and moons, Shivas and four-faced Brahmas, a number of mountains, rivers, oceans, plains and woods, as well as the spirit of time, the principle of action, the modes of Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, the spirit of knowledge and nature, and many more things of which she had never even heard before. 
She further perceived Maya, who was powerful in every respect, stricken with terror and standing with palms joined together. The mother also beheld the embodied soul who was made to dance by Maya, and even so the spirit of devotion which liberates that soul. The hair on the mother's body bristled and she stood speechless. Closing her eyes, she bowed her head at the Lord's feet. Seeing the mother struck with wonder, the slayer of Kara assumed the form of a child once more. She was unable to utter praises, and trembled at the thought that she had looked upon the father of the universe as her own child. But Hari comforted his mother in many ways and said, Listen, my mother, do not reveal this fact anywhere. Joining her palms, Kosalya prayed again and again, See, my lord, that your Maya no longer casts her spell on me. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Ramayan Podcast. Jai Sri Ram and Namaste.